You are listening to the 10 Minute Entrepreneur Podcast with host Sean Castrina. Okay, I think you're going to learn something today. It's a 10 Minute Entrepreneur Podcast. I have Suzanne Fletcher with me here today. She's the founder and general partner of Zelda Ventures. She's raised a ton of money. So we're going to talk about venture capital today. Who needs it? What are the type of companies they invest in? What do they think is a good investment? What do they look for in the leaders that they invest in? Suzanne, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much. Really excited to be here. Okay, so you've raised quite a bit of money. So what, what got you into venture capital? Yeah, and I just announced my kind of inaugural fund, having hung my own shingle here of $33 million, but I have been in the investing world for about 20 years. Um, I spent the first 10 on uh, the secondary side, more fund style investing, choosing managers, buying portfolios of assets, and then the last 10 years in direct venture, which really culminated in me me starting my own fund. Um, what led me to this path? Uh kind of just playing my role in this ecosystem, um, really just love working with early stage companies, the earlier, the better, uh, and kind of making my contribution to the, the mark here. What is like the perfect invest? Like if you, you know, what, you know, we all, we all have what, you know, I have certain things that I would invest in and, you know, if you can run it through my head. I have like these certain things that, okay, dot, that, dot, that, dot, that. And then I have a few things like, no, I don't like that. Don't like that. Don't like that. So what are the things that you like in a young startup company? Yeah, the, the, the checklist. And so the aperture of Zelda Ventures are kind of why I decided to, to go out on my own. And the focus of the fund is we invest primarily in the next companies of founders I backed before at pre-seed. So that's pretty specific. It means almost entirely serial entrepreneurs and not just serial entrepreneurs, but people whose first companies I had um uh, the honor to participate in as an investor. And that primarily comes from my experience working at Stardex, which is one of the premier kind of Stanford University affiliated uh, entrepreneur communities, really supporting both the alumni community, uh, professor-led startups and kind of current students uh, in managing kind of a co-invest pool um, on behalf of the university, uh, did a pretty prolific amount of investing in that seat, uh, got the privilege to work with over 900 founders. And so in hanging my own shingle and founding Zelda Ventures, what we do is look at those people's second, third, fourth companies as they they come back to found found something new. Yeah, I mean, it'd be hard to go wrong with that, that method. You know, if you want to, you want to know if somebody can, you know, if you're looking for success, see if they've already done it once. It's a really, really simple formula. It, it, it tends to, to help. There are so many learnings that serial entrepreneurs accumulate, even regardless of the outcome. And the outcomes are on, you know, a series of kind of distribution curve. But I'm just a big believer in what those those learnings have, have helped those entrepreneurs um, bring to the table for their next companies and what they're doing so it's kind of my privilege to partner up with them again and kind of choosing yeah. to do their next because the thing. second one seems to i mean i've read it i don't remember exactly where it was but i mean bill gates had a one company and then there was the next one you, you know it was it, microsoft was not the first one it, it, it's the second one that tends to where you know have have a, a great deal of success even for the people that failed miserably in the first one yeah, I may think you know what you're you're getting into. Um, these entrepreneurs, I will say, you know, they know this is a six to ten year journey. You have so many of them in your life. Um, choosing what you want to dedicate your time to is the most important thing you can do. And for them, making that choice of what they're going to do next is just such a monumental 
step. And I put a lot of credence in kind of the why, like, why did they choose that? Why are they working on this? I'm happy to go more into kind of the rubric I use for, for picking among companies, but it's, it's less focused on um, the specific idea and much more focused on the person at an early stage. I, and I, I, I have that written down because I, I, that's the one of them where we, we bet on people. At the end of yeah. the day, you, you give an idiot a great idea. You still got an idiot running it. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's nobody wants to hear that, but that's the reality. I know I always believe in betting on people. So, you know, obviously you have your set kind of person you want to invest in. You know, you have that preset, but stepping out of that Stanford, if you were just on a stage and, and people were asking you, okay, if you were going to pitch me, what what are the you know the common things that you see in a company that tend to do well? And then we'll go to the leader in just a second. Yeah, I think Sean, it's really four things, right? It's the and I've heard you talk about this on this podcast before, as have your kind of serial entrepreneur guests, right? Four kind of buckets: um, passion, commitment of the founding team, the team dynamics on that founding team execution strength. And then lastly, kind of the idea, right? And the set of terms that you're investing on. But I can go into any one of those, those four things. But I think for entrepreneurs thinking about pitching investors, making sure that you communicate um, your advantages in all of those buckets is really important. Are you and are you typically looking for company, you know, we go blue ocean, you know, they're 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 completely new to something, or or do you have a problem if it's a crowded crowded field if you have a really strong area of differentiation gosh it's so hard because as an investor truly honestly what you yeah. want is to believe something everyone else will believe just a little bit earlier right yeah. it's important that downstream capital ultimately agrees with you and wants to kind of take that hot potato 18 months down the line and kind of fund those companies you just want to have kind of share have that shared belief a little bit earlier so understanding um you know is this a crowded market um is does your entrepreneur believe something or have kind of an insight into a market that's a little bit different than other people where 12 18 months from now this may we may look back on it and see it was quite obvious um i'm really looking for that unique insight in what is either is or is potentially going to be a very large market yeah, we are, we all we want to make tons and tons and tons of money. And I did a, a which will come out today. I believe it might be coming out. But I was talking about, you know, whenever you're starting a company, you want to be a monopoly. And I, I want to define that because obviously you're not. <laughs> okay, like uh, I mean, Amazon's not a monopoly by any stretch of the imagination, but it is a monopoly. In other words, there's tons of online, you know, online sellers, but Amazon's done it so good, so well that they're the one that you think of anytime you go to shop. And then you go to like Google. Google's not the only online search engine, but they kind of are, <laughs> you know? And, and then you can get, you know, you just start going where you're just so good at it. You so differentiated yourself that you can create that because you can create that monopoly because then your margins are so much better. You just get out of that, you know, that, you know, you were your commodity. And I think that, I just see so many people start up something and there's just nothing fresh about that. There's nothing new. There's no, it's like, you're just one of another. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking for, for something that's a, a unique take, ideally in a growing market, right? That we're just starting to see, we're seeing a lot of that in AI right now. Right. And um, 
what people believe that future will look like in five to 10 years. Um, but that, that um, kind of pristine available market is, is quite attractive from a venture standpoint. And I think some of this goes back to what types of companies should raise venture financing. I'm just going to ask you that. Yeah. I'm ask you that because it's not for every business by any stretch. Absolutely not. Um, and, and I think to my fourth pillar, right, idea, some of that is, um, is that idea a venture backable idea in terms of the scale, the margin, the potential hockey stick up into the right, um, and your willingness to kind of give up some of that control, right, um, in taking on kind of a capital partner that's a long-term uh, arrangement, right, where you're, you're both kind of sharing in, in the outcome. Um, but, you know, the majority of what I invest in is software related. It tilts enterprise. And certainly these days it tilts AI. Yeah. And I've always felt like with venture capital, it, you know, that, you know, normally the number seems to be a billion and, and above. Like the upside. Uh, the exit. Yeah. 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 There seems to be the exit seems to be a billion or above. Yeah, it, it, I think that's absolutely right. And it's a billion and above if you're a relatively small fund. I think yeah. as you get bigger, in a, and my fund's still considered a, a relatively small fund, despite the very uh, flattering things you said at the beginning. Uh, but if you're a larger fund, I mean, you're, you're, your exits really have to be north of $10 billion. But it's a power law business, right? There will be only a couple winners, even a portfolio of this size that will make up for the things that didn't, but they can be incredibly impactful, both financially and kind of the, the impact to the world, right? Of what, what these founders are building. Yeah, and I like how you kind of shared that because when you do bring on venture capital, make no mistake, you just married someone. For sure. It's, it's yeah. I think- um, no, Make no mistake longer, about it. <laughs> longer than the average marriage. I, I think many people uh, joke about yeah, because, you know, you're and that's a good thing, because a lot of times you're, you know, you're somebody who's got this extraordinary amount of energy, you got a level of brilliance, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you're talking software, you, there's a level of brilliance there, let's call it what it is. But it's knowing how to navigate. And that's where the venture capital, the experience, I, I just think is, you know, is so extraordinary. Yeah, and I, I think too, um, working with serial entrepreneurs that that I've had the privilege to know eight, often 10 years, um, I see how they choose the capital partners they want to work with. And they're really looking for um, what was that shared experience in the past? Did someone, how did they act, right? Not what was their marketing or kind of what was their website um, or what portfolio services person did they hire, but how did that person act, particularly in difficult times? Uh, and I'm looking for the same thing in them. Yeah, I was, I was, I'm glad you said that because I always, I always look at all my partnerships and I, when it's good, it's easy. I want to know how you responded when the crap hit the fan, when the oxygen was running low, when, you know, when, when it was difficult and, and because it, it, you'll be introduced to a completely different person sometimes. For sure. And I think, you know, one of my strengths in, in working with this set of entrepreneurs is I call it both like the stuff you want to talk about and the stuff you don't. Right in the category of stuff you don't want to talk about, but you need someone as a thought partner there. Um, disagreements with your co-founder, issues with early investors, um, early M&A offers, and kind of what that negotiation might look like. Um, difficult things around your future fundraises. You really need that kind of trusted thought partner there to talk about just some of the, the more difficult things and the things you do want to talk about or should. You know, how are you planning for that capital raise? 
12, 18 months from now, how are you thinking about the milestones that you need to hit? How a kind of larger downstream investors are going to view that and, and really kind of telling your story, right? Getting people evangelizing, getting people excited. Um, so both those buckets, kind of the, the hard to talk about and the, the want to talk about. Because it, it, it seems to me, I mean, obviously these are typically, you know, 10-year partnerships at a minimum to get out to exit something like that. And, and it, it seems like like your founder is is focusing on today in a year, 18 months. And your venture capital partners, they're the ones that are thinking the three, five, and 10. Like they're 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 trying to see one's running the operations and then one is thinking, okay, so much further down the road and, and navigating that. I do think I do think the benefit of investing in serial entrepreneurs is they do have that long-term lens associated to what they do as well. And I think they're constantly checking in on is this a good use of their kind of life's energy, their talents? Um, are they getting the market traction that they want to see? There's no point building something that the market doesn't want. Right. And so checking in both on what you believe that five, 10 year horizon is, but then are you building something that people want in the near term? You know, I've heard it called um, you need to really, uh, you know, be able to sell that for full stack of pancakes when you only have one pancake. Right. Um, and, and that's at the beginning. You know, you've only built some of it, but you need to kind of articulate that larger vision and go to market and and be getting out there to potential customers with, with that kind of bigger, bigger vision and do it quickly. What are the great founders that you find, you know, if you can profile them to our audience, because, you know, people listen to this, they all want to start a great company. And, and I don't care what business it is. There are, there are duplicate, there are certain qualities that, that I believe great founders have. And I, I have in my mind what I think they are, but I'd be very love to hear what you're, what you have down as your qualities. Yeah, I think in tying it back to kind of the framework I use in passion commitment, that's what's your through line. What problem do you care about solving? And how do I see evidence of that since you were basically a child? You know, maybe that um, since you were in college or thereafter, your early companies, did you care about patient outcomes? Did you care about um, cybersecurity threats? You know, what's the through line of what you care about? Because your tenacity, your care of a, solving a problem, not bringing a solution to market, which is very different. Solving a problem is what really kind of carries you through difficult times that you inevitably will go through. Um, on team dynamic, right? What really sets people apart is how complementary are those skill sets um, versus duplicative, right? In the founding team. And then how long have you known each other and worked together? You know, do you have that really healthy established framework for disagreement? Um, I, I, I ask the question often, like, what have you disagreed on? And I really want to hear specific examples. I don't want to hear like, oh, it's been great. You know, we're in the honeymoon stage, right? Nobody's disagreed on anything. You, you will disagree. And having the, those frameworks and that language and that understanding is really important. And execution for me at an early stage, that's about having the technical skills on the founding team to hit that next set of milestones and the business skills, right? That that founder that's kind of in love with that customer and that customer problem and has done a ton of customer development really before even starting. Um, so for me, that's kind of what I'm I'm listening for. And that's how I think great entrepreneurs kind of with a great um, thing that they're trying to work on for them, right? Uh, which, which is, it's gotta be both a, a, a great kind of um, entrepreneur, but also kind of great fit 
for for their skill sets. What I'm what listening. is the innate, you know, I, I I the innate quality you look for that you know we always have something that when you when you bump into it, you know it. You know, when you you meet certain people and there's just something that you go, wow, okay, I think there's, you know, I think there's something special here. I think it's a it's a resilience and it's a willingness to believe in your point of view, drive toward it while still hearing feedback. Right. Like you've got to listen to people that disagree with you and market feedback, but you have to have kind of a North Star of what you're driving to um, to continue kind of on in that direction. I like that of resilience. I, that, that was the word in my head that I that I was going to going to say. And so you said it. And I, I agree. There is just something that just you, you just you're very you know what it is you're going after. And it's you just you just day in and day out you just keep going after it and keep going after it and and i think just so many entrepreneurs think it's going to be so much easier than it is and i always say if you saw how hard it was going to be you would quit like i'm like the one superpower i don't ever want is the ability to see the future because <laughs> i would have not done anything i've done yeah i mean i think and and that can benefit the strategy which there's a lot of great venture funds that that do this right investing in first time founders where you have kind of a beautiful naivete about not knowing how difficult it will be which i think can be be a gift as well um in, in this and so i'm so happy there's kind of so many strategies that can be successful in this if my if i had my choice i'll take the one who's already done it once successful so i really like your model i have suzanne fletcher she's the founder and general partner of zelda ventures suzanne thank you so much for being on the podcast how can my audience connect with you and again we're just grateful that you're on the podcast and we're able to share some insights with us today yeah you're you're most welcome um i'd love to connect with folks my website is zelda.vc um, which is named in homage to the beloved badass associated with hunting for and finding treasure. Um, and they can find me on Twitter at surf tweets, S R F tweets. Audience. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. It continues. It was number one in another country today that I can't spell. I, I really don't, I've never seen it. So I didn't want to say it cause it's like P A I O or some really short country and I don't have it right here in front of me so I'm making a fool of myself but it's a country that once again I have never heard of but we are number one in it uh, when it comes to entrepreneurship uh, again uh, this podcast is brought to you by Geek Strategic they're just the best digital marketing company if you have no idea what you're doing you got like your kids your nephews and all them and they're kind of doing your marketing plan they're doing your Facebook ads they're creating your logo things of that nature you're, you're making a massive mistake massive mistake please reach out to Geek Strategic let them help you Again, thank you so much for listening. We'll talk again soon.